This degenerate gambler edition of Market Foolery is brought to you by Molecule, the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. For $75 off your first order, go to molecule.com. That's M O L E K U L E.com and use the promo code FOOL. It's Monday, May 14th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, Jason Moser. And Taylor Muckerman. Happy Monday, gents. Howdy. You sound refreshed. I'm highly caffeinated. <laughs> I didn't sleep well, but I'm highly there caffeinated. Was it a good Mother's Day in your household? It was yesterday? a good Mother's yeah. Day. Yeah, and and in yours as well. It was. It worked out well. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, got out of there feeling like a, a good husband and a good father, nice. and I think my wife was happy. So I mean, she deserves all of the credit that that she you know gets because she's a wonderful wife and a wonderful mother. Related shout-outs to all the moms out there. That's Absolutely. Right. Um, a big thank you to the U.S. Supreme Court, which showed up this morning with uh, a phenomenal news fairy moment. <laughs> um, and we're going to dip into the full mailbag, but we got to start with the Supreme Court <laughs> ruling that cleared the way for states to legalize sports betting. This strikes down a federal law from about 25 years ago that had prohibited most states from authorizing sports betting. Uh, where do you want to start? Because we could start with the stocks, we yeah. could start with the states. Um, just in terms of the states, I mean, this is a suit brought by the state of New Jersey. Um, if we're just ranking winners and losers, I'd say New Jersey is a winner today. Atlantic City might come back from the yeah. dead. And right behind them, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Mississippi, mm-hmm. which already passed state laws basically saying, hey, if the Supreme Court rules, in our favor, we're ready to go. I mean, I love that. that, That's great forward thinking, right? Yes. I mean, that just really, really works for investors. It's just that's what investing is all about: is forward thinking. And just sitting here talking right now, I mean, it just struck me. I, you know, I've got the war on cash basket, the healthcare and wealthcare basket. I feel like we've got a gambling on your future basket coming here. (laughs) I mean, there's something we can put together because I think this affects a lot of different um, areas for investors. And and I, I mean, let's. Let's just from the very beginning. I mean, I, I like the fact that this was not even a close decision, six to three. I mm-hmm. think it was it was uh, you know, a very clear sort of, of decision there. And the beauty of the Supreme Court is ultimately not a whole lot of ways you can overturn that. I mean, unless they overturn themselves or unless uh, states you know try to amend the Constitution. So I, generally speaking, this this decision should stick. It gives states the choice, and I think that's really the point. It's just we're not saying you got to do it, but if you want to do it. You can. And I think it makes sense. I think consenting adults generally are going to get what they want. And I mean, we've seen it over over time. I mean, prohibition, I think, from 1920 to 1933 or so, that kind of worked out well in the beginning. But as time went on, I mean, it sort of the, the attitudes changed. And there were some economic reasons as well that, that sort of uh, pushed prohibition out the door. So I think this is a much different country today than even it was 25, 30 years ago. Uh, so hey, I, I, I'm a fan. I like the decision. I think it'll it'll uh, have a big impact on a lot of uh, a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. Well, and anyone who thought, oh, okay, so I'm just you know, when we talk about baskets of stocks, thinking in terms of, well, I'll just buy a basket of casino stocks, not necessarily, yeah. no, because there's going to be other players in there. Yeah. Well, there will be other players in there, but also just some of some of the bigger casino companies that are publicly traded, they're not uh, really going to benefit from this. Um, in the way that others are. So, Caesars Entertainment, Penn Gaming, those are two stocks that are up today mm-hmm. when you look at sort of where 
their casinos are spread out, they they stand to benefit from this. Yeah, and I could see like even maybe a wise movie theater operator getting in there, maybe opening a couple screens to a sports book where you can go in there and have a split screen. Maybe get some interactive uh, gambling going on at a sports book or an arena or something. So certainly, I think other industries outside of just casinos could benefit from this immensely. Yeah, I think the casinos. That's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. I mean, Matty Argersing and I were talking about this earlier. Nevada and Vegas, in particular, I mean, those are the places where I think you need to start looking away from because this basically spreads that competition out mm-hmm. now. So I mean, there's going to be more competition in play, not less, which sort of takes a little bit of the the power away from these casinos and, and sort of spreads it out into other places. And namely, really, I think the internet is going to figure out ways to disseminate these. Sorts of uh, gambling opportunities. I think the leagues stand to benefit tremendously from yep. it. I mean, mm-hmm. they should get a scrape from this. Uh, I was watching uh, something the other day on TV. The PGA Tour, not the commissioner, but someone with the PGA Tour, uh, said they've already been working with players uh, on the on the tour. Sort of, you know, saying, "Listen, this is probably something that's going to pass, and if it does, this is going to be the impact." And so, as professionals, as players, you need to be aware of this because there's. You know, it's going to be rife with with possibilities of people kind of coming in there and saying, "Hey, let's uh, maybe I'll pay a little money to throw a couple of extra shots or something." Yeah. Like. So, I mean, players I think have to be aware of it too. Um, but I think it goes anywhere from casinos to well, I mean, how is the money being moved here? Yeah. Right. I mean, PayPal seems like an obvious potential winner, possibly uh, squared to an extent. Yeah. But I, th- I think this is more a PayPal's alley because I mean, this is not going to be. Cash changing hands as much as it's going to be just electronic funds changing hands, um, and, and then of course the the DraftKings FanDuel uh, future seems to be a bit more interesting now as well. I'm glad you mentioned the impact on the athletes themselves because I think when we think about knee jerk reactions, that is understandably I suppose one of the knee jerk reactions. Well, this is going to increase the amount of. Uh, approaching athletes to to throw games and all that sort of thing, and you know even harkening back to the the Black Sox scandal of 1919. And I think the important thing to keep in mind there is that scandal, and obviously that was literally a hundred years ago. <laughs> um, but that scandal was able to happen, and these types of scandals are able to happen when there's very little money involved for the athletes themselves. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about the NBA, the NFL, when we're talking about the major pro sports. Um, it's the financial incentive just doesn't really exist for those types of athletes. I would tend to agree. It seems like now uh, more than ever, these athletes are making a mint uh, playing these uh, sports. I and think endorsements. It, yeah, and if yeah. P. Rose is an example. That's a stiff penalty for getting caught Absolutely. throwing a game or gambling on the same games. Or... I think the one league where perhaps this comes into play more than others would be the NFL, and that's just because of the nature of the game and how short um, an individual's career likely is in the NFL. So it's easy to look at those guys and say, "Man, he just signed this." Forty million dollar contract. What in the world? Well, I mean, you know, half of that's going to Uncle Sam immediately anyway, and and his career is probably around three or four years. So there's there's another forty fifty years he's got to sort of account for. So they really actually don't get paid uh, all that well when you think about it. So I could see in certain cases where it becomes enticing at least, and that comes down to people, right? I mean, everything ultimately comes down to people at the end of the day. Uh, but but again, I mean, along that line. 
people want this. People want to be able to do this. It it only makes sense to open this up. And um, and again, it doesn't mean every state's going to immediately sign up, but the ones that want to do it will, and I suspect they'll reap the benefits. I also wonder the impact on state lotteries now that you yeah. can start gambling rather than maybe better odds gambling on sports than simply buying a lottery ticket with a scratch off. Let's move on to a deal from up north, and this was from a couple of days ago. But I'm I'm curious, Taylor, to get your take on this. And mm-hmm. this is Canadian Tire, which uh, the name suggests uh, that's an automotive <laughs> business, and presumably the Canadian Tire started out that way, but it's now much more of a general retailer. Mm-hmm. Canadian Tire uh, buying Heli Hansen, which is a sportswear brand. Uh, it seems like it's more sort of out outdoor gear. Yes, and. Um, I'm curious what you thought of this deal because one of the things I read was that it seems like a good deal on the surface, although maybe Canadian Tire paid a little bit more than they could have, paid close to a billion Canadian. That's mm-hmm. a, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of just under 800 million US. Yeah, the, the headlines say that they might have overpaid a little bit. You're looking at uh, 18 to 20 times EBITDA for Heli Hansen, but this is an apparel brand that has been growing nicely. You look at the last three years, growing about 12% on the top line year for year, um, even higher as you flow down the income statement. So there's some operating leverage there. And when you look at its target markets, Canada is its second largest market, and it only sells about a quarter of its apparel in the Canadian market. Uh, so you look at a company like Canadian Tire that already has some shelf space dedicated to Heli Hansen. Um, maybe they can, you know, broaden the shelf space. Put some more product out there available, and when you look at Helly Hansen, only about a quarter of its, maybe a little less than a quarter of its apparel is sold direct to consumer. So this opens up some more lines for that. Obviously, if Canadian Tire owns it and is selling it, that's direct to the consumer for them. So a little higher margins potentially, and uh, maybe pull back on the share buybacks because this will increase debt. It already did have a decent debt load, so maybe you pull back on the on the share buybacks, but. A lot of folks think that this is going to be immediately accretive, even just to a small degree right away. But uh, I don't look for, you know, synergies in terms of them making their same clothes and on same lines for that kind of synergy. But that direct-to-consumer line and then opening up more shelf space across the country. And this is an international brand, so maybe a little bit more geographic exposure for Canadian Tire shareholders. Yeah, it seems like even though they may, let's just. For the sake of argument, say yeah, maybe they overpaid a little bit mm-hmm. for it. It seems like, you know, I mean, this is a company based in Norway. For that kind of international exposure, it mm-hmm. seems like a smart move for them. Yeah, you're looking at Sweden, Norway, the UK, and the US all being the other top five countries that this brand sells into. So certainly, I think a wise acquisition. And the the management team over the last decade or so has made. Uh, Two similar sized acquisitions that have both worked out very well for shareholders. So, small track record, but a positive one. And uh, we look for, for this deal to start making uh, an impact almost right away. Quick thanks to Molecule. Molecule is the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. Molecule has introduced a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. And it makes a real difference for asthma and allergy sufferers, helping them better cope with their conditions and significantly reducing their symptoms. And one customer reportedly said after using Molecule in her home that she was, and I'm quoting here, able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. Mm. Now, I don't know about her. <laughs> Let me tell you about my experience with Molecule, because we got one of these devices in the office. Um, and well, it was in the office. <laughs> it was in the office. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but here in the greater metropolitan area of Washington, D.C., this has been a brutal 
season for pollen. That's what I hear. Yeah, pollen levels like very high. Much like they do the whole particles per whatever that metric is, and it's normally I don't know in the in the low hundreds. Over twenty two hundred. Holy smokes! So, um, so this was in the office, and uh, a couple of weekends ago, I was just I get spring allergies really bad, so I was just said, you know what, I'm going to the office and I'm taking this thing, <laughs> and I just came in on a Saturday, and I just. Uh, uh, Basically stole it from the office, brought it to my home, put it in my bedroom. I just said to my wife, "I was like, look, uh, I'm dying, and uh, I, I, I'm t- just just bear with me while I put this thing in there." I slept so well that night. I woke up the next morning. I felt great. Like it was it was it was amazing. Well, that was really a self. It was a selfless act. It wasn't a selfish act. I mean, really, you were getting that boots on the ground market research that yeah. we talk about so much. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to just sort of read the ad, but you're giving us real testimony. Here. It's another I mean, thing to go to the office, steal the device, <laughs> and bring it to your yeah, home. I mean, all, all things said, gotta, I think we can we we can sort of give you a pass on that one. Sounds like it worked that. that well. I did actually return it after. A few days because I felt guilty, but, uh, but you got to keep that voice for radio too. You exactly. can't be all stuffed That's up right. from pollen. You keep your timber. Uh, molecule is easy to use and has a clean and sleek design from the materials used on the device, like its sleek solid aluminum shell, to a filter subscription service where filters regularly arrive on your doorstep when you need them. It was super easy to set up too, which was great. For seventy-five dollars off your first order, visit molecule.com and enter the promo code Fool. That's molecule M O L E K. Use the K, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E dot com, and use the promo code FOOL. Um, our email address is marketfoolery at fool dot com. From someone who didn't include his or her name, and uh, it was just an alphanumeric uh, email address, so, um, so no name attached to this uh, email. I purchased shares of SiriusXM starting in the early 2000s with the intention of hopefully making it my Get rich stock. Long story short, I'm up nearly 500%. The average share price for me is $1.17. Do I continue to ride it and hopefully get rich, or do I take some profit? Uh, for context, so this person's cost basis is just over a dollar. Right now, SiriusXM trading for about $6.80 a share, somewhere in that neighborhood. We always give the caveat we can't give individual advice, but I love this question because. Uh, it's a question that I think anyone who's been investing for a while hopefully gets to the point where they are asking this question. You know, in this person's case, it's SiriusXM. Mm-hmm. Just whatever your individual situation is, I think we all have probably gotten to that point at yeah. some point where we're like, okay, I've owned this thing for a while. I'm up well ahead of the market. What do I do here? Because, Jason, there are certainly times when. There are stocks that you just, the best thing you can do is just hold on to them forever. And then there are others that you think, you know what, whether, whether I sell out of it completely because I've found a better place for my money, or I quote unquote take a little money off the table um, and use some of the earnings I've gotten and diversify into something else, uh, it's, it's, always, it's always a relevant question. Yeah, and I think with SiriusXM, it's even more relevant. I mean, it's congratulations on the gains. I mean, it sounds like you really hit them with the hind there with the 400 plus percent. I mean, this is the hey now thesis, right? This is the Howard Stern thesis because that is really why you would buy into SiriusXM, I think, at this point in time or if you did back in the day because there was a lot of skepticism as to whether people would actually subscribe to satellite radio. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, there are 30 million plus subscribers today. Now, 
the problem is a lot, a lot of those subscribers are there because of of Howard Stern, um, and I understand. I am a subscriber as well, and, and I mean I really love it. And the the thing is, you have to be aware at least that in the next three years, I think his his contract comes up. He just renewed a deal for five years, and it's sounding like he's kind of wanting to ride off into the sunset after this is all said and done. And so, if in fact that is the case. In three years, he decides to call it quits. Now, SiriusXM was very clever in sort of uh, sealing an additional seven years of all of his content in that contract. So, even if he quits after three years, they get an additional seven years where they can really monetize his library of content, which is a big library. And that's great. And I think a lot of diehards will continue to subscribe. Um, but I know a lot of people who probably will go ahead and quit after he quits as well. And I mean, certainly, I probably will. Mm -hmm. I know some of my friends who will, who will too. And so then it's a matter of what will SiriusXM be in three years, you know, time or, or four or five years' time. There's a lot of competition out there trying trying to get our ears. Uh, whether it's Spotify, obviously Spotify is building out their universe and adding podcasts and new shows and whatnot. Um, so then, I mean, you look to sort of the fundamentals of the business, and, and I mean, SiriusXM is it's done a lot, but I mean, you know, the top line is slowing down. I mean, margins are going to continue to be pressured. It, it's got a big ownership there in, in Liberty Global or Liberty Media, which is John Malone, and so I think that's probably a net win at the end of the day. Um, Probably one that I would lighten up on, though, a little mm -hmm. bit, because I think the market is pricing a lot of this uh, immediate future of, of Howard Stern into it today. And, and the big unknown is what happens to that subscriber base once he takes off. I have a feeling it probably goes down, and if it does, uh, the stock is is surely to go with it. Yeah, I'm of the same mind. Potential for high volatility, high debt load, and uh, three years without and the Howard Stern is gone. So yeah, um, definitely. An unclear future for a company that's in a very competitive market. They did just upgrade their app, though. I will say, like over the weekend, I got the new upgraded version, which throws a lot of video content into it, which okay. is really yeah. cool. I mean, it's just it's it's a really wonderful app. I mean, they've done just tremendous things with it, and, and I it, they have so much stuff on it. I, I think I'd probably stay on as a subscriber, you know, but maybe not at the same price point. And so I think they're going to have to kind of, kind of grapple with that a little bit uh, to, in order to keep that subscriber base uh, up and growing. Two quick things I'll add. One is uh, John Malone's track record in media. He, John Malone is someone who sticks to his knitting. Yeah, he doesn't really. Yeah. Take the tack of well, I've got a good track record when it comes to managing media businesses. Therefore, I'm going to try restaurants or, or anything. <laughs> like he just he sticks to media. Um, the other thing is, I, I was just thinking as you were talking, Jason. In a way, SiriusXM was Netflix before Netflix, because yeah. if you think about Netflix, sort of having all this other content that they're that they're essentially licensing, and then they get into original content. Same thing with satellite radio, where where SiriusXM a lot of their stuff. Is you know not just on the music side, but just on the talk programming side. A lot of their stuff is just licensed from from other entities, um, but they also have the original programming with Howard Stern, mm -hmm. and that's you know that's sort of the differentiator. Yeah, and I think we were arguing sort of the same thing with Spotify. In order for Spotify to really be able to separate itself, they're going to have to figure out a way to grow that sort of exclusive catalog of content and. You know, wow, man, there's just so much stuff out there. I mean, just like video, there's just there's only so much time in the day, so it's it's difficult to attract uh, such a wide audience. Far too easy to make video and audio now. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. 
Jason Moser, Taylor Markman, thanks for being here, guys. Appreciate Thank it. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.